This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only podcast that from here on out will be rebranded as X. I don't think there's any problem with that. It's time to do a little stargazing. Mark, welcome. Happy summer. Yeah, no kidding. Under degree weather is kind of the way it goes. It just brings hockey right to mind. I mean, it, some of my most favorite moments are escaping on rec league nights to the rink where it is not 105 degrees in the shade. So it's, it is paradoxically hockey weather in a way to me. Uh, it's the sportsman equivalent of going to the movies. It is, it is. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny too, because it's top of my mind. And meanwhile, in the NHL, things have, have, I think it's fair to say died down a little bit. This is, this is the doldrums. This is the, the point to relax. It's not a, not a ton going on right now. Well, I mean, we, we had, uh, it's all Jim Nil news. So, you know, what are you going to say? You, you're talking about the general manager, not about the players, not about the team. Um, that's pretty much it. And, and, and I mean, there's been a lot of nil news. He he's he's won an award. He's he's got a little bit of paper. What's what's your favorite Jim Nil moment of the summer so far? Uh, well, at this point, I would say that Jim Nil could just kind of wash his hands and go away for two months if he really wanted to. I mean, uh, he, he is, he is that- having a no bummer summer for sure. <laughs> He, he kind of left that teaser out there that says, you know, right, right after, right after uh, July 1st, he said, you know, we aren't necessarily done and you might see some things come mid, uh, mid July. And here it's a, uh, you know, it, it's kind of on the cusp of late July right now. And yeah. we aren't really seeing anything, but we have a full roster. We aren't quite cap compliant for the regular season, but all that would be, would be sending, uh, you know, Gavin Bayreuther down to, to Texas. And yeah, this team could hit the ice. Yeah, there I think I've got cap friendly in front of me. They're about three hundred, just on just under three hundred twenty grand, so three seventeen um, over the cap right now. And you're right, any one of the guys that's you know Bayreuther, Sam Steele, Craig Smith. There's a bunch of guys on the roster that could go down and solve the problem immediately. Uh, the the bit about maybe not being done is interesting because that would it would be multiple pieces, right? That would, and, and, and likely given what this team needs to do, that would be a, a Radic Foxa deal, or that would be, you know, that would be something at, at this point, right? It would have to be a defenseman, right? And so you, you have to imagine that there would be money, significant money going out and looking at the forward core that that's pretty much Foxa at this point. And you'd probably need to get rid of a defenseman as well. So it's, it's the sort of multi-piece thing that, doesn't tend to happen in July. Well, yeah, and there, there's really only two things that could happen at this point. One of them is signing a veteran goaltender who is your number three. Yeah. And there are a couple names out there in free agency like Halak or Stalock or somebody like that who you could get for minimum, who you either uh, either have as your number two. Uh, they or Wedgwood are going to be the veteran in, uh, in Cedar Park. And yeah, I could- if it's not that deal, it's kind of going to be a big deal, isn't it? 
because it has there, to be. there's there yeah it has to be because all all the small little stuff's already been taken care of and if you're going to make any changes somebody substantial is going to have to go as far as you know playing minutes and salary yeah and because i i think at this point it's it's testament to nil right but this team doesn't need help around the margins you know, okay, you need a, a, a defenseman that's a specialist penalty killer. Well, you got Hawk and Paw. Uh, you need a a guy that can step in as your number seven and play a couple, you know, a couple games here and there. That's you know, my that that just call that position the Joel Hanley, right? These days, you you need a forward that can play kind of anywhere up and down the lineup. That's your that's your Ty Delandria. That's your Craig Smith. Like they've they've got players along the margins. You know, I think furthermore, right, they've got the elite starting goaltender in, in Jake Ottinger, and they've got the elite top line with Hintz, Robertson, and Joe Pavelski, right? You could even argue that they've got the second line with some combination of Ben and Duchesne and, you know, Johnston and Sagan, right? So you're right. There's the only stuff that's really worth doing at this point would be finding the top four defensemen that we've all claimed the teams needed for a season now. And, you know, if, if you're going to do that, you're going to need to move lots of pieces and, you know, like just kind of thinking just for the sake of argument, right. If for that type of player, you know, Dimitri Orloff signed a two year, $7.75 million deal. And, you know, he's sort of the higher end of that role that we're talking about. And I'm not saying he's ever was a possibility. I'm, I'm more using him as a framing device. If the stars are going to do anything to improve themselves at this point, it would be an Orlov level move with an Orlov level price tag, which means moving, you know, four, five, six million dollars out of the roster. And that's tough to do. Yeah. And you take a look at it, you're really not just talking about this coming year, but given the free agency that the stars have for the end of next year. This is potentially the team that you're talking about at its core that's going to be with us for two years if something isn't done. I mean, it really is. That's that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. You have Pavelski there. You have Duchesne there. You have Craig Smith there. And and then, what, Hockenpah and uh, who? Hanley? Is Hanley the other UFA? Oh, Bayreuther is. So you you aren't aren't really talking about anybody who... uh, And Wedgwood. Right. And to to your point, right, the, the... the un, the free agents unrestricted after next year are Pavelski, Duchesne, Smith on the offense, Hockenpah, Bayreuther defensively, Wedgwood in the crease. You know, notably Ty Delandria, Ty is going to be an RFA that season. And you imagine with his trajectory on this team that that's that's probably a contract that's going to matter. So yeah, you're right. This is they've got one more year of the Ben contract. They've got you know. Uh, after next, sorry, they've got two more seasons. Apologies, this one hasn't started yet. They've got two more seasons with Ben. They've got three more seasons with Robertson. Three more seasons with Marchment. Two more seasons with Fox. It's it's the season after. It's it's you know tw- it's the 2025 season is when there are you know we get into the territory of, I mean, <laughs> Sagan. It's like Sagan, hence Robertson, Marchment, and Haskinen are the only guys signed in 2025 26 so that's when the clear out is yeah this this group barring one of those you know tilt over the apple cart deals this group has is this is a two-year group well and and if you take a look at the jim nil extension look where that slots in and and you're really talking about jim nil 
having one last opportunity to kind of roll this core through again. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why that times out the way that it, that it does, because Neil, Neil is here to handle, handle the next transition. And then he's going to, he's going to pass it on. I was going to ask. So you think it's a, you think it's an intentional idea of letting Neil shepherd the next run in, not a Neil's job is not secure if the team doesn't perform situation. Why well, I, I definitely think so. I mean, you're you're talking about the reigning GM of the year. He's already those, those guys through. have been fired before season of. Oh yeah, no, and it, it happens more more often than not. I think, yeah. but on the other hand, it hasn't really happened with Dallas and Jim Nill. I, I think I think Tom Gallardi's pretty happy with what's going on here, and Nill has pulled off pulled that rabbit out of the hat where he didn't have to tear it all down to build it back up. And maybe maybe there's that little magic touch there that he, that Neil can do that one more time. And yeah, I think, and I mean, I think I Neil's think, interested in having that happen, and I think Gillardi's interested in that happening. And I would I would just just to make sure that it's clear where I happen to stand, and it sounds like where you stand as well. Well deserved, right? Oh, absolutely. I think it, at this point, you know, Jim Neil has, I think, to your point, right? He came in what 2020, 2013 is when he showed up and he has in that time taken the team from kind of just finding its footing after the bankruptcy years and, you know, taken it from that to the exciting, you know, young Jamie Ben, young Tyler Sagan crew navigated though that though them becoming more second. Yeah. He's, he's been able to, to move the team through eras without everything falling apart for a couple of years. And, look at Chicago and look at the number of teams in the league that are having to, um, shall we say, not retool successfully on the fly, right? I think I think with each season that passes and as this team continues to develop, at least I'm personally getting more and more of an appreciation for the job he's done. And, and I think it goes maybe even one step further in that it allows Nil to kind of shepherd in the next regime. And, and kind of set the stage and work with somebody who will take over for him once that stage is set. And, and it certainly seems like, yeah, it's set for one of those transitions where obviously things change. Two years is a long time, but but right now, I imagine this would be one of those situations where in two years, Nil moves into some kind of president of hockey operations. So one of those promote you know promotion up roles that lets him stay in the organization, stay involved in the transition while also bringing in whoever the next GM of the Dallas Stars is going to be, not necessarily being as as clear and straightforward as nil will leave, nil successor will come in and there will be no overlap. Yeah, but I you know on the other hand nil's getting to an age where he may decide that he has other priorities in his life and and this allows him to leave his legacy uh, on his own terms and and then go do what, whatever else he wants to do next or or consult with the team, whatever he wants to do. I, th- I, I think this is all set up so that Neil can make a personal decision as far as yeah. what he wants his life to look like post GM is Dallas. And who knows, the Dallas team has some some say in this as well. If, if all of this new competitive error stuff comes good and Dallas builds over the last couple seasons, this is a team that you know, came within a couple of games of beating the now reigning Stanley Cup champs in a conference final, right? If there there's a world in which this thing keeps moving in the right direction and 
maybe Nil makes a different decision. You know, maybe maybe the maybe staying in the seat is a little bit more appealing to all involved if the team is still where we think it's where where it is now or where we think it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, certainly if you're if you're riding the top of the wave, you want to keep riding. Now, now I do want to transition a little bit into this. So as we talked about the accolades, right? GM of the year, well-deserved. Two-year contract extension, well-deserved. Let's talk about the work that Jim Nill has actually done. And it's been somewhat strangely on the forward side. And of course, we've welcomed um, Matt DeShane, Craig Smith, and Sam Steele and then re-welcomed Gavin Bayreuther on the defensive end. But for a team that was that the issues were more on the on the defensive side of things, to add to the forward core, that's that's a little bit of a swerve, is it not, Mark? Well, I think it is. But if you take a look at the contracts, then if if we were going to make a decision to change the defensive core, you you'd kind of have to tear some stuff down in order to build it back up because you're talking about players who have contracts in place, uh, some of whom have have no movement clauses. So you you'd have to make a conscious decision to do something other than what you have in place. And so I think it was just something where the team could improve a lot easier or or more efficiently with the forward group than with the defenders, and so that's what they've ended up doing. And now I guess the question is, now that that's in place, do you tear something down to try and make it even better? Do you, do you, do you make those final tweaks that, that you think might get you to a Stanley Cup? Yeah, and I think I love what you say. We'll talk about the forwards in a second. I want to I want to start with the defense. I, I really like what you said about tearing it down because – it's not just and people are going to roll their eyes and say you play the guys that are you know play the guys that are worth it but contracts matter you know stature matters veteranship matters it's 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 not just as simple as saying well get someone better than Ryan Suter get someone better than Esselindel get someone better than hockey it's not just about you know when when looking at the defense the first is and I brought him up earlier just as a point of comparison if you were going to bring in the type of player that this unit really needed, you're talking six plus million dollars, probably right. You know, expensive. And then as well, not only are you having to bring a piece like that in, you're going to have to figure out kind of where they fit in the lineup. And and does it potentially come at the cost of what if, you know, we, we saw quite a bit out of Thomas Harley at the tail end of last season, you know, do you push him back down the lineup? Right. Or, you know, this is a team that hasn't really bought players out traditionally. And, and you know, once the window closed on on moving on from Ryan Suter, you know, he's he's with the group. Right. S. Lindell has, has built a reputation as being a, a solid, you know, valuable defensive player for for all of, you know, the, the kind of angst around him sometimes. So it's one of those. Who do you remove from the group? to then bring in a high paid, you know, high paid new piece and then also have to bring in the depth as well. Right. Cause if you remove, it's just, there's a lot of moving pieces and there just, there weren't a lot of guys on the market defensively. I thought that merited that kind of, of massive retool. Yeah. And, and anytime you tear it down and I mean, you take a look at this lineup and you have to think that this is a team that's going to be the, in the mix for the Western conference and has a decent shot of going to the Stanley Cup. It's all it's all kind of a crapshoot when you get into the playoffs, but this is a team that's built to contend, and so you have to really think twice before you start tearing a few things down. If, if you're building the house, uh, you, you don't start ripping out walls because you, you want to change the sink. 
Yeah, and I mean, I know the season didn't end the way we all wanted to, but I think other we we also forget about Mills Lundquist. And yes, by the end of the year, he was on the bench, right? And that's disappointing. But I think it's one of those cases where we forget that he played 60 games and wasn't bad. You know, sure, once once it got to crunch time, some of his newness and and some of the, the aspects of his game were were more, you know, were, were enough to, to send him into the press box in favor of some steadier players. But I certainly don't think it was the type of season where you, you know, wipe your hands and say, oh, well, I guess we we missed on that one. Right. So I think that that part of the calculus as well is, you know, that Harley has to be a factor because he came in and played as well as he did. And you know as well, I, I think at least personally, that so does Nils Lundqvist. He he did enough. He deserves to have the opportunity to play in this roster. He, you know, 60 games is not nothing. So when you think about a potential retool of the defensive unit, right, you've got Miro, obviously. The team made the decision, very clearly made the decision not to move on from Suter. Uh, Essa Lindell, right, does enough for you defensively and on the penalty kill. So really... So you're going to go out and find, you know, pay a premium for a guy that you either don't have room for or you're going to have to make room for at the expense of, you know, somebody you've already got. It just didn't it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think I think it's just once maybe, you uh, sorry, once you caveat for the things that it seemed pretty clear the stars weren't going to do, it didn't make sense for me. Right. And and I will say the upside for this team is, in fact, exactly what you're saying. It's it's Thomas Harley continuing to get better. It's Nils Lindquist grabbing that job and running with it. And I think why you're seeing the concentration on the forwards in this offseason is that you don't have those two guys like we have on the defense where you have that potential improvement. What you have is, you know, cross your fingers, Logan Stankoven. Um, Maverick Bohr, you have guys who are probably going to be really top-end good guys down with Texas. Uh, Lundquist and, and Harley are Dallas stars now. Yeah. And, and so they're probably a year ahead. And so what what Nil probably has done here is filled out what he thinks is a full NHL lineup with the forward group. And, and maybe you see some some of the guys coming in, uh, the prospects coming in and contributing, but we're much more dependent as as a Dallas Stars uh, team on those prospect defenders improving, and, I, and I that's think, where the team gets better. Yeah, and, and I think as well, one of the aspects is Jim Nill is an opportunist when it comes to contracts, right? And and yeah. Evgeny Dadnoff. Coach DeBoer had previous experience with Dadnoff, and it worked. He became available as a trade option. They picked him up, and it worked. He he had he had chemistry. Uh, a big part of the team tailing off against Vegas was Dadnoff going out hurt, but he seemed to be a guy that could play on the bend line, that could generate offense, gave the team an aspect. So you know that that became opportunistic. Okay, if you can get that guy for two and a half million. 2.25, sorry, you kind of have to do it, especially knowing that Max Domi had, you know, sort of priced himself out of what Dallas was going to be able to do. So, okay, that's, that's one opportunity. The second is, you know, then you pick up a couple of guys in Smith and in steel that are valuable quality NHL players, better than the, the outgoing pieces at beneath 2 million as a duo, right? Firmly in that category of if they help great, if they don't help, who cares? And then I think that the Matt Duchesne thing 
that just feels like one of those situations where a guy becomes available. There's a history with the guy that became, there's a, there's a history between the city. They'd looked at him before he's performed well in the sort of role that, that wing slash forward flex that the team likes. And so I think it, it became a situation where they may have had a different plan coming into the off season. But when you looked at who became available and where they became available, I think it made a lot of sense to say, well, you know what, we're going to, we're going to focus on the forward core. We're going to, we're going to build on our strength. And there is something to be said for if, if Dallas can score a couple more goals, if Dallas can control the puck, if Dallas can, you know, create more in the neutral zone, which, you know, Vegas gummed them up pretty, you know, pretty fierce. If they can do that, then some of the defensive stuff just isn't going to matter as much. Yeah. And here, you know, the, the, the other thing I think you have to keep in mind is that we've, we've expanded the depth of the team. And so what you're talking about is you, know, you have your prospects down in Texas who are ready to contribute. Yeah, that is true. And but I think it's it's one of those situations. What we're going to see is this is also a team that isn't looking good fortune in the mouth. And and last season, this team was extraordinarily healthy at their significant positions, right? They they got whether it was Pavelski or Roberts and Hintz didn't miss a lot of games. Jamie Ben, right? They nobody nobody in that that offensive core really went down for an extended period of time. Um, you know, Marchment did at the end of the season, right? The, but it was never, they never had to deal with, you know, 60 games. They never had to deal with that crippling injury. I think as well, you know, they're hedging against, is it necessarily a given that, that Jamie Ben is going to have another career year? Is it necessarily a given that, that Wyatt Johnston's not going to backslide at all in his, his second season with the team? Is it a given that Marchment is going to bounce back? Is it a given that Bork is ready? Is it a given that Stankoven is ready? This is a team, and I think it makes a ton of sense that they looked at their strength from last season, and then they looked at the composition of their roster and they made the decision that, well, this this was a strength last season, but it wasn't necessarily a strength that we can just assume is going to remain a strength. You can't write it in ink. Bad things happen. And so I think part of the free agency that we saw was a reflection of the types of players hitting the market combined with Dallas's cap situation. And then I think it was also an awareness on the team that it's built in a certain way to play Pete DeBoer's style. And the pieces that they brought in will allow the team to do that with greater flexibility and greater depth. Right. And, and you know, in, in essence, this team's not only stronger all the way down the lineup, and, and we're really talking about people like Steele, uh, who's going to contribute on the fourth line. But we're in a position now where some of the guys that you might have been thinking that you're bringing up to be a piece of that Dallas Stars team are now available for injury call-ups. And Dallas was extremely lucky last year, and that doesn't last. You know, no. Injuries are going to happen, and this team seems to be prepared for it. It seems like well set up. And, and I think as well, like none of the pieces they brought in, even Duchesne at $3 million a year, if, if Logan Stankoven... Just I'm just picking him up because he's the name that's in everybody's ears. If he comes into training camp and is one of the six best forwards on the team, you know, one of the nine best forwards, on the, if, if he comes in and plays what his ceiling suggests he could do, then I think the team would be completely comfortable taking an Evgeny Dadanoff or a Mason Marchment or a Sam Steele or a Craig Smith or even a Matt Deshane, you know, for what they make for the term that they carry. If, if Bork or Stankoven forces the issue, this isn't a situation where, 
you know, Duchesne is signed. I'm, I'm picking on Duchesne, not for any reason at all, but this isn't a situation where Duchesne is signed at five and a half million for the next five years. And even if the kid is out playing him, you just got to keep Duchesne in the lineup. This is a situation where if one of the kids gets an opportunity and, and runs with it, they'll just move somebody else down or out of the lineup. They'll, they'll wave somebody, they'll, they'll bury Smith or Steele or somebody in the minds. Like this team can do something about that. They haven't put themselves in a position where they have to keep um, a lesser part around if Bork or if Stankoven make that decision for them. And I think that's a good thing. You know, and, and I think this is a good time to bring our sponsors into the conversation because, you know, we talked about, Mark, injuries happen, bad things, accidents, you know, everything happens. And, and you need to have what what are we talking about right now? Right. Depth and, and backup and, and your next man up. You need a team around you that can help you get through those moments and and get through those downswings in a way that doesn't just derail everything that you're doing and everything that you've worked for. And in, in Dallas's case, that's Jim Nill and Pete DeBoer and, and the forward depth that they've built and all of those pieces. And in in a broader you know life case, that's our, our friends at, at Greening Law, the green team, right? And, and having that infrastructure around you when something goes wrong means that you don't, you know, your your plan for the season isn't to just, well, Plan A is really kick ass. Let's hope plan A works out for us. All of a sudden your your plan is okay, I can I can focus. I can I can put my energy behind getting better, behind finding a way that works because I know that I have uh, the support. I know that I've got the people in my corner, the people on my team that are gonna make that happen. We're talking about the forward depth, but it's that that idea that you need to have that infrastructure around you when things go wrong, someone that's going to fight your legal battles. So you have time for healing and renewal. And that's, um, you know, that's the green team with greening law who can be reached at 972-934-8900. And we're, we're thankful that they're sponsoring this podcast and, and helping us talk about all of the exciting things that Dallas is doing, even though it's a million degrees and nothing is happening in the middle of July. <laughs> Things potentially could happen in the middle of July. Uh, all it takes is one little uh, thing, and all of a sudden we've torn the defensive core apart, and then then we're back uh, we're back in business. I I just don't see it happening. I don't either. I and and I don't. I've I've come to. I'm I'm of two minds. I I'm okay with it. I think that and pressure might be the wrong word, Mark. But and I want you to tell me that I'm wrong here, or tell me that I'm right. Probably tell me that I'm right because I love affirmation. But but I may not be right. I think that what this offseason does is shift the focus a little bit to Pete DeBoer because in terms of the defensive core, it is now no. It's out of the hands of the GM, right? It's it's unlikely that help is going to come from elsewhere. So what's going to to move this group forward is much more about who plays with who and how much they play, right? It's, it's the situations, ice time and partners. And that's a Pete DeBoer problem. So I think what this offseason tells us is any any improvements that the team is going to see on the back end are going to be a combination of either, you know, either or both of Harley and Lundquist improving, but more likely a, a, pro, a progress of the coaching staff finding a way to better manage the group they have. Yeah, and I think that's important to keep in mind with the forward group as well, because you were speaking of Stankoven or Bork coming up. I think that fits into into DeBoer's coaching style, where we kind of have to get out of our minds this whole concept of uh, of you know a, a third line checking line, a fourth line a grinder line. Um, really, what DeBoer does is he manages his lines by minutes, and he likes to roll them. 
And so being put down onto the fourth line doesn't mean all of a sudden you have to play like a grinder. It just means probably that you haven't been performing and you need to, you, you, you're going to have your minutes at 12 minutes instead of 15 minutes a game. Yeah. And I think it's going to be doing the same course. And I think what we saw last season is that doesn't necessarily those minutes, that usage, yeah, top, t- take the top line out of it because they're, they're, you know, locked in stone, but that, that usage doesn't necessarily project one game to the next. It, it could be, especially, especially, you know, I, I salivate looking at the four group they've got right now. It's a situation where you, you can now ride the hot line. And, and some nights, maybe it's the, you know, the physicality of Ben and Dadnoff creating seams for, you know, Wyatt Johnston to exploit. Other nights, it, it might be Duchesne's speed on the wings, you know, Sagan's passing savvy and, and you know, whoever gets to be the third with that unit. This is, this is now a situation where DeBoer can play with four lines that really can each of those four do anything that's expected of them versus last season they were still kind of in that mode where you just weren't going to get enough offensively over the fourth and, and, you know, even the third line, sometimes Dallas couldn't really muster until the tail end of the season, the brief windows where, you know, Dadnoff and Domi and Marchment and say, and everybody was healthy all at once with the exception of those moments, this was a two and a half line team, which, Hey, that gets you to the conference finals. But now that it's a four-line team, I think we're we're there's an opportunity for DeBoer's style to manifest itself in a, in a much more powerful way. Yeah, exactly. I, I think toward the end of last year, what DeBoer had figured out was that he couldn't roll four lines. And so he, he kept Glenn Denning and Fox on the fourth line for the most part and just kind of bit the bullet that he was playing that as a special teams line and it, he wasn't going to get much offense out of yeah. it. And, and that's not going to be the situation this year. It's a, it's a whole new world, baby. Whole new yep. world. Yeah, which uh, which uh, yep, it it leaves you feeling uh, kind of good going into the season. Which is, you know, we've felt that way the last couple of seasons. Thank you, thank you for that, Jim Nill, and your mustache of power. And the last couple seasons, they've they've kind of earned that goodwill. So. I think, you know, as the summer progresses, once we get to the training camp part, we'll talk a little bit more about positional battles and how things are shaping up and what the the actual squad is going to look like. We're, we're going to do an angst cast before the season starts. I, I promise listeners that we're going to do another one where we just really go to the dark place. Uh, what is the darkness retreat? Me, me and Aaron Rodgers, right? We're going to do that. And we'll probably do a happy cast as well where we only talk upside. And we'll talk, we'll talk stars, man, because... This is this is a team now that that is interesting season over season beyond what the future might hold. So I'm I'm really uh really excited, very impatient, and uh, the the new season can't start soon enough. Yeah, I tell you the truth, I'm already uh, starting looking at dates and times to see if I can work my way to Traverse City again this year. And uh, one, once I start seeing a little September, then all of a sudden hockey's right around the corner. And there you go. I hope everybody else is as excited as I am about it. Jacked, ready okay. to roll. Uh, anything else you want to cover before we sign off, Mark? No, no. I just might might tell me how to deal with this triple digit heat all the time. I, you know, as soon as I figure out uh, swimming pools and rec league hockey is my answer so far. Uh, that may be the way to go. There you go. Well, thank you, Mark, as always, uh, for the insights, uh, especially in the, the doldrums of summer. KT for making all of this seem coherent, like we actually know what we're doing in in post-production. Thanks to our sponsors, Greening Law, the Green Team, and thanks to the listeners. 
as well. We we really appreciate it. You know, I think we've seen quite a bit on the socials about the site, you know, rebranding, kind of spreading its wings, the tireless work our, our editor-in-chief Taylor Baird is doing. And, you know, all of you for sticking with us through that transition and, and trusting us to continue to deliver high quality stars content, which we are going to do. We are the Jason Robertson of Dallas Stars coverage, that the Miro Haskinen of of your favorite team's website so we're we're really excited about the new season the prospects therein and can't wait to do more of these podcasts thanks for listening i, I think i need to reemphasize it the the new defending big d i think is going to be the place to go for dallas stars news set for next year it's a desert out there uh with, with few and far between but uh but hopefully we can keep it up the only problem is the team's identity changes we may have to come to, to, to rebrand as offending Big D if, if this team plays <laughs> plays like they might. Oh, Stars fans have been around too long. We, we know that there's always uh, something hanging out over our shoulder that's going <laughs> to cause things to go wrong. That, that's, that's, that's kind of our identity. And I cannot think of a better way to end this con this uh, podcast than a little bit of old school Mark pessimism. So <laughs> thanks all and we'll, we'll talk to you next time. This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal.